Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I've got a very special guest with us today. He is the chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers. His name is Ken Harrison, and Promise Keepers is a men's ministry that started in 1990 by former Colorado football coach Bill McCartney. Through uh, national conferences, it's touched the lives of 7 million men, including a million men that gathered in 1997 in the National Mall of Washington, D.C. to take a stand for Christ. This movement has been reignited to reach the next generation, and their first big conference in a while is coming up on July 31st, 2020 at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Ken, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Hey, thanks, Bryce. I'm great. Man, well, we're, we're going to hear all about kind of the, the story of Promise Keepers, your role with the ministry, and, and what's coming up, and the excitement, and all, all the ways that God is moving. But before we get to that, uh, I found out that, that you're familiar with Christian McCaffrey, and of course, as a Panthers fan, uh, you, you saw him even before we started watching him on Sundays. So, so tell us a little bit about that, that connection with, with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a funny story. So my son was the JV running back for Valor Christian when Christian was the varsity running back for Valor Christian. He grew up down the street from us. And in fact, the first time I ever saw Christian play football, I had seen Reggie Bush play in high school when mm-hmm. I was in San Diego. Someone dropped, brought me down to Helix High School said, you got to see this guy. I called that friend of mine and said, hey, I just saw this kid playing at Valor Christian, who's better than Reggie Bush was. And he's like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, Christian, grew up down the street from, from us in uh, Colorado. That, that's awesome. Yeah, he's had quite the, the start to his career in Carolina, and, and hopefully they can uh, put some talent around him so he doesn't have to carry the, the whole load. But uh, he's, he's definitely been, been fun to watch. Well, uh, Ken, man, uh, very excited to, to have you on the show and, and to, to, to know that, that Promise Keepers is, is up to some really exciting things. And, and I want to go back a little ways, though, and just kind of d- discuss the, the history of Promise Keepers. And, and for me, I'm familiar with it because my dad was in Washington, D.C. So he was one of the, the, the million men there. And to think, you know, all these years, years later, now I'm leading a ministry because I had a father in the home that, that was following Christ and poured into me and, and was that example. And so this ministry has been around since 1990. Give us kind of how it started and, and kind of where where it went for, for 20 years and kind of all that, that, that God did through it. I mean, it was a crazy, the biggest movement of men in, in the history of the church. Seven million men went to Promise Keepers in the 90s. Mm. And how it started was uh, the director of SCA at University of Colorado Boulder was driving along in a car with their football coach, Bill McCartney and said, if you could do anything, what would it be? And Coach McCartney said, fill football stadiums, fill them, fill them in to hear about the Lord. Mm. And when Coach went out there with this idea, everyone told him he was crazy. And the first year he did it, he had 2,500 guys in the basketball arena. 
And then I think it was the next year they had 20,000. And then the famous 1993, they sold out Folsom Field in Colorado and it launched nationally. In 97, you brought it up, Promise Keepers sold out 22 NFL arenas mm. with guys. And then 1.4 million men gathered together in the Washington Mall. Everyone always calls it the Million Man March, which it wasn't. It was called Stand in the Gap. Mm. Biggest gathering of people in the history of Washington, D.C., still to this day. Oh, wow. And there is a poster of it when you walk into the Park Police headquarters of Stand in the Gap, not only because it was the biggest event, but also because it was the template for an event. Because every time a group of people get together in the Washington Mall for whatever reason, they leave literally tons of trash. Mm. It's a massive cleanup effort. When Promise Keepers left, there was not a gum wrapper left on the ground. They left it cleaner than they when it was when they showed up. 1.4 million guys gathered together, worshiped Jesus all day, and left the place in better condition than they found it. That's a testament to Christian men. Oh, that that's incredible. So so for for th- those years, it was really you know in its prime. It was it was thriving and and a lot was going on. And then kind of what ended up happening kind of after that and kind of took uh, some time off, I, I guess, a little bit because now there's a, a revitalization of Promise Keepers. So, so fill us in kind of on, on that transition a little bit. Yeah, you know, there were a few issues with Promise Keepers. It was such an unbelievable movement, but I think it lacked a what now, mm. especially after Stand in the Gap. You had these one and a half million guys come to D.C. I mean, they – they took over entire airplanes. There's stories we get all the time of everyone in the airplane was at Stand in the Gap and the stewardess is leading the men in hymns on their way back to, to it's crazy stories. Wow. But then it was like, well, now what? And there was a little bit of an anticlimactic thing. Promise Keepers, I think, lost its way a little bit. I think um, they forgot that Jesus Christ is the Promise Keeper mm. and we're the Promise Reapers. We only keep our promises to our family in as much as we are obeying the word of God and the grace filled with the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I do think promise keepers descended a little bit as it declined into a bunch of guys getting together and trying to sell, tell themselves they were going to do better and try harder. Mm. And that's not the gospel, man. The gospel is laying down your rights to yourself and saying, Jesus, not me, but you mm. and humbling yourself and picking up your cross daily and following him. And that's what we want to remind the guys of at Dallas Cowboy Stadium this summer is, who are we and why are we here? And those are the questions we're going to answer. Remind men that they're sons of God and that we have been constricted into a battle. And that God says in Ephesians 2.10 that every one of us has good works that were prepared beforehand that we should accomplish once we were saved. Mm-hmm. And that each one of us has a mission that the Lord has put us on corporately together as brothers, not individually to go out and fight against Satan who's trying to take our families away from us, our kids away from us, who is absolutely, you can see what's happening in culture. We don't need to stop. We don't need to be angry. We don't need to do any of that stuff. We need to get back involved in Jesus Christ and in our churches serving. That's what's going to change our culture back. Mm, man, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I love it. So July 31st, August 1st, 2020 at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, the the, the big pro- promise keepers conference and we'll talk more about that specifically but but so in year in recent years you've now stepped into the, this role of of kind of leading promise keepers in this this next generation of of promise keepers so so what is your uh story and background and, and how did you end up joining forces with promise keepers yeah man uh, i started off life as an la cop so the lapd back in the late 80s and the 90s um 
down in South Central Los Angeles, which to you Carolinans means Compton. Wow. Or Watts. Um, did that during the gang wars, the Crips and the Bloods, and we were fighting with 18th Street, which was coming up from Mexico. And then you had the Rodney King. It was a crazy time to be a copper in Los Angeles. Oh, and, uh, man. Um, fun. I mean, let me tell you, it was, it was a lot of fun. There's nothing quite as exhilarating as putting a really bad dude in jail. Wow. I will tell you. Wow. Um, then got out of police work and uh, got into commercial real estate, started my own company and grew it to a pretty large company across the U.S., sold that to Colliers International in 2006. And then I ran Colliers International's uh, valuation company uh, until 2012. Hmm. Basically did pretty well in those years and retired. I was really ready to kind of be retired, live life for myself when I was praying one day. And the Lord just came to me in a really vivid way and said, hey, I, I did not put you through all I did and teach you all I did so you could ski and hike for the rest of your life. Hmm. And um, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, um, are you willing to be as ambitious for my kingdom as you were for your kingdom? Wow. And um, it came with a real warning. Be careful. It'll cost you everything. And I, in my great courage, said, I don't know. And I said, Lord, I'm... I'm sick and tired of firing people, sick and tired of being sued, sick and tired of confrontation. I feel like I've earned the right to just take it easy for a while. Wow. And, um, which is, you know, what God wants to hear. (laughs) (laughs) He said, pick up your cross and follow me. And I go, I just want to take it easy. That's right. And, uh, finally he said, it's okay, but you'll miss my full blessing. And I said, after several hours of wrestling with him, yeah, Lord, I'll lay down everything. Uh, and he said, I'll tell you what I have for you when you're ready. And so promise keepers, really came about in a miraculous way. It was really shoved into my lap. And I brought Promise Keepers into a foundation that I run to close it, mm. to pay off all the debts and to properly close the event. And I just said, hey, it's over. Whatever was Promise Keepers was done. And that's where the Lord met me again in a very vivid way and said, remember that conversation we had? This is it. The men of this country need you to lay down your life and bring this ministry back because men have grown passive. They've grown complacent. They are... Uh, in desperate need of a shepherd. And, and I'm not saying I am not the shepherd promise keepers as a shepherd, hmm. but you got to bring this ministry back and start bringing up godly men, godly teachers and getting men together, reminding them who they are. And we we're basing that on Deuteronomy 16, 16, which is when the Lord calls all the men of Israel to gather together three times a year to worship him and be reminded of who they are. And that's what promise keepers is. It's a time when 80,000 guys get together in an NFL stadium and just worship Jesus in an unabashed way. Mm. Gosh, man, that's a, that's a great story and, and, and love hearing that because I think so many guys, even that I interact with, they like this idea of retirement and then that's it. And then it's all about them and they kind of get to this point and they've got these goals and, and, and all that. So, so what's your, I don't know, encouragement even to the guy listening today that that's his mentality that, hey, I just got to make enough, I got to get to this certain status and, and point, and then I'm going to do what I want to do kind of thing and feel good and feel comfortable and all that sort of thing. How do you push back against that, against that to that guy? Yeah, man, that's an easy thing to push back on because the Bible never called us to be comfortable. Mm. There's no idea of retirement in the Bible. You know, I, I read a study one time a long time ago. They had these small people groups that were living way longer than everybody else. Mm. I, I wish I could remember where the study was, but one of them was Okinawa, Japan, I remember, but they all had different languages and, and they were not related in any way across the world. You had these hundred or so different small groups where people were not only 
living way longer than everybody else, but they were living a more productive life. People in their 90s were still working hard and doing all this. And they found one commonality in every one of those places, completely unrelated. In every one of their languages, there was no word for retirement. Every one of those people continued to be a contributing member of society for, for their entire life. And that is biblical. Mm. We were called to fight to the end for the Lord Jesus Christ. And how many Christians don't live, don't, they don't end their lives well because they begin seeking out for comfort. And you look at the great patriarchs. I mean, did Moses ever go into retirement? Moses, he led until the day he died. And mm. so I, I would just say to everybody, there's this American idea, be very careful about things that, you know, Romans 12, 2 tells us to transform, not to be conformed to this culture. We're to transform our culture, not be conformed. But in many ways, that insidious thing, we get conformed to our culture because we listen to things and we don't even realize that's the voice of the devil. And one of them is retirement. Mm. I'm not saying that if you're working for General Motors, you got to work for them until you're 90. But I am saying that when you get that sweet little pension from, from the police department or wherever, now it's still time to go to work. And it's still time to go to work for something greater than yourself. Wow. No, that's, that's incredible. And because and you're a volunteer with, with Promise Keepers and, and committed to this. And so as you, uh, you know, gear up for this big conference, 2020, what a great year to kind of really kickstart this. Th- there's also this idea of a movement. And it's not just this one conference. You want to continue the, the, you know, this ministry forward. You want to support the, the work that's being done in you know in Dallas area but also around the country and men's ministries around the country so so cast kind of the the bigger vision for us a little bit yeah man thank you for that 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 was a great question so it's one event per year so promise keepers back in the day was lots of events all the time this time it'll be one event per year in a different NFL stadium every year it'll always be the last weekend of July Hmm. and it'll be simulcast coast to coast the reason, the reason we picked when we did is it's as late into the summer as we could get without running into the NFL preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's, it's really near the end when summer's done, summer vacations are done, kids are getting ready to go back to school. Third, we wanted to make a tradition, a new tradition of the last weekend of July is when I grab my sons, my brothers, my neighbor, my dad, and we go worship the Lord at Promise Keepers. Mm-hmm. And it may be at the stadium or it may be that we go watch the simulcast at our local church. And it's already gotten so huge. I mean, a lot of guys listening to this right now didn't even know Promise Keepers was back. Yes. You know, the Air Force has already told us that they're going to show this at every Air Force base in the world, simulcast. Wow. This year. Wow. The Army and the Marine Corps are looking into the same thing, and we're still trying to get a hold of the Navy. But And I think they will. We've already had 268 churches get the simulcast, and we haven't even started promoting it yet. We haven't even solidified all the details yet, but they've already said, whatever you fix, figure them out, we want it. We've already had eight different countries come to us, Mm. South Korea, Turkey, Israel. How do we get the simulcast? So there's no sense in doing this if we're not going to start a revival of the church and call all men. We're not trying to get guys together once a year so they can go rah-rah and feel better about themselves. Mm. We're trying to call a movement of the men of God together to transform culture by telling, hey, as I say, we're just beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. We're not going after people in judgment or condemnation. We're going after people that tell them about the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to transform our culture. Amen. Amen. And so along those those lines, the the passion that you have, the heart that you have to reach men, what are some of those things that when you look at culture and, and when you guys are, you know, meeting to discuss, you know, what this ministry looks like moving forward, what the conference looks like to address some of the key issues 
with men in general, but but even specifically Christian men and, and wanting to encourage us and inspire us to to do some things differently than than kind of where we're at as a as a culture. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, on the positive side, I would say that one of the things we got to get men back to is you got to go before you know. Mm. If you want to do something great, you got to step out in faith. Mm. You cannot wait until you have all the details filled. Hebrews ten thirty eight says, "My righteous one will walk by faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him." Mm. Man, I want to make sure God has pleasure in me. And what's he saying? I, I take pleasure in my people who walk forward and do things in faith. Um, one of the reasons we don't do things in faith is because a lot of us are laying down with sin. Mm. We know pornography is a massive issue in the world and in the church. It's, you know, the world is so funny. You know, I remember back in the eighties when I was in college and I was picked up my girlfriend's Cosmopolitan magazine. And it was talking about how great pornography is and how couples should watch pornography together. Now, 30 years later, that same world is saying, gosh, there's all this problems and sexual problems and sexual assault. What happened? The world giving itself advice, it's always going to be evil. It's always going to be destructive because they listen to their master, Satan. So we want to call men out about around what abortion really is. 63% of Christian men have looked at pornography within the past week. Hmm. 63%, two thirds. We're not going to call men out and tell them how bad they are. We're going to tell them, call them out and tell them they can be better than that. We're going to call them to repent. And they're not going to conquer this by trying harder. Mm. They're going to conquer this by laying down their rights to Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Literally, God will change your desires from the inside out. I was just talking to a friend uh, on my way to the office who's going through divorce. He's been a really godly guy. His wife's leading him. But he said, you know, the one thing, is that I turned to pornography during that time when our marriage was so bad and, and where our sex life was terrible. And he goes, and I take responsibility for what I did. I pray for my wife every day. He goes, but Ken, God is literally taking every desire to look at pornography away. He goes, I haven't had sex in a couple of years since this divorce. And yet zero desire to look at pornography because God literally changed it from the inside out. And so that's wow. our message to guys is, man, don't come, don't, that's the problem with the church and the wrong messages that sometimes come out. Don't sit there being filled with shame. Mm. Don't try harder and have Satan whisper in your ear. You're, you're going to fail again. You're going to fail again. No, man. Just walk today in obedience, and you'll be surprised what happens fairly quickly. As you throw yourself on the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, he will change your desires from the inside out. And you will become the kind of man that if you were to see a pornographic film, rather than get your jollies off, that you, you would desperately wish you could grab a blanket and go and throw it around that girl and say, honey, you don't have to do that anymore. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's the kind of man that we want to be. Man, it's powerful. It's powerful, and and it's it's not always a a topic that that the church likes to address on a Sunday morning. And and so, yeah, another reason for a conference like this to to exist and and to to have guys be there together, you know, in 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 this environment, but then to then go back together, linking arms to encourage and challenge one another ongoing. Uh, which I which I think is your uh, your heart's desire moving forward. So uh, love that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of get you to unpack a little bit was the uh, the seven promises from Promise Keepers that you guys are kind of built around. And maybe we don't have to get into to all seven, but but I'll list them off: uh, honor, brotherhood, virtue, commitment, change making, unity, and obedience. 
And and I'll, I guess I'll ask you maybe to your your thoughts on how about uh, unity and change making. Unity is one of the really tough ones. Unity, we used to call it racial uh, reconciliation, and that term has taken on its own kind of connotations. And so we really brought it to unity because it's not just about racial issues, and they there are so unity. We're talking about the fact that we need to respect each other's cultures. Um, one famous pastor said, "You know, all Christians should be colorblind." No, no, we shouldn't. Hmm. Because some people are proud of their heritage and they're proud of their race and their culture. But what we need to do is respect each person's culture equally. And we need to make sure that we are, as we identify as to who we are, we're children of God first. Hmm. You know, all of us, especially men, man, we get our identity from different things like a lot of us from what we did for a living, right? Or where we went to school or the fact that we were a football star or whatever. And if any of those things trumps your main identity of being a son of Jesus, then you're on the wrong track and it's going to cause division. Mm. And that's where we see racial division come in. Um, but it also, it's also doctrinally. What we find is that we have in the church been so quick to dismiss other people who disagree with us or people who have locked, gotten into sin and whatnot. And we throw them off on the trash heap and man, we want to have a, a big, it's one of the things we're praying about a lot of promise keepers right now is we want to have open arms what is the issues that are non-starters? We will not compromise on those, but what are the ones that don't matter so much? Because we want to be unified as brothers in Christ. As I said earlier, we're all just beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. Mm. Let's stop dividing each other over crap, and mm. let's start to look at what really matters. Because you know what, man? Uh, the New York legislature said that it was okay to deliver a live baby and let he or him or her die, and they cheered when they let it out. Huh. And a jury in Dallas, Texas you know, said that it was okay for a woman to dress her seven-year-old against his wishes in a dress and call him a girl and force him to use the girl's bathroom. Man, the evil that's going on in our society while Christians sit around bickering about stupid garbage, that's what we got to erase, man. We got to figure out what really, really matters mm. and major in that stuff and not, not worry about the minors, man. It's a good, uh, good wake-up call for sure. Then the word change-making, what, what are what kind of words come to mind when you think change-making? Well, we're all called to be in the army of God. And we don't, again, I said it earlier, but the biggest problem I see in the church today is passive, complacent men mm. who are not active in their community, even in their families. I, I wrote an article about this about well, two years ago now. Uh, about a guy that you know, came up to me and just talked about how he can't stand to sit at his dinner table and listen to his wife and his kids talk about their Monday boring day. And his wife's mad at him because she says he doesn't listen, which he was telling me that he doesn't. And, you know, what could he do about it? And I thought, man, you talk about having your priorities wrong. It should be interesting, I told him, to you, because it's interesting to them. If we as men start to realize that it is my responsibility to know what my child is being taught in school, because they've been teaching our kids wickedness, man. We've lost this young generation to a bunch of nonsense while we weren't even paying attention. Little Johnny or Jane, what are you learning in school? Oh, you learn that you choose your gender. Well, let, let's look at what the Bible says about that. Let's take an, take an interest in our kids. And if you say, well, I don't know the Bible well enough to really know what to do, then just listen. And the next day after you've studied up, grab them and say, hey, let's have a conversation about what we talked about yesterday. Mm. And then lay out. This is what God says about that. Mm. And we would make a huge difference. And if we started listening to our wives and saying, what are you, what are you reading in your book club? I think half of our wives would fall over that we even took a, a notice, right? <laughs> That's the very beginning of being a change maker is shaking off this passivity and complacency and understanding I 
am responsible for my family mm. and nobody else is. And if things are wrong in my marriage and things are wrong with my kids, then what do I need to change in myself to correct that problem? Not what does my wife need to change? Not what's somebody else's fault? What do I need to do? Mm. And I always caveat that as well with, that doesn't mean we blame ourselves if things go wrong because even Jesus lost Judas. Mm. And like I said earlier, a great friend, great man of God, whose wife left him, and he said everything right, as far as I can tell, and yet she still left him. Mm. We do what we're supposed to do. We walk in obedience. We take responsibility for ourselves and our families. Sometimes things don't work out. We don't blame ourselves or beat ourselves up. We pick ourselves up. We move on. We keep we keep obeying the Lord. That's change-making. Powerful stuff. So promise keepers, uh, they're built around seven promises. Again, honor, brotherhood, virtue, commitment, change-making, unity, and obedience. Check out the website, promisekeepers.org, promisekeepers.org. And uh, then also, uh, you can go to promisekeepersevent.com, promisekeepersevent.com. Find out all the information about the big conference taking place July 31st, August 1st in Dallas, but then also uh, simulcasted everywhere. Uh, simulcast everywhere, and so uh, you can get your church signed up for that, or figure out if your church is doing it. And and so Ken, man, really, really excited about what's going on, and and cool to hear the heart behind it, and 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 you kind of you know spearheading this. But I know it takes a, a big team, and awesome to see a lot of the collaboration, a lot of the people that are part of this. Uh, you can see that on the website as well. So, uh, man, so great to to connect with you, and and really appreciate you being on the Unpacking It podcast today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Bryce. Absolutely. So there's Ken Harrison with us right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries, with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.